Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. Welcome to episode 20. And I don't know why that's so exciting, but it feels exciting to me. (laughs) So I'm enjoying holding this podcast in this space for you. I hope you're enjoying it as well. And today I'm going to share some of my personal journey, going right back to the beginning of starting my business. And I'm going to touch on a few common layers of highly sensitives and being in business. So when I first started my practice, I was totally gung-ho, totally all in to fill up my schedule, to work all day, every day. Even though early on I had this sneaking suspicion that maybe that's actually not what I want. But right before I finished my final practicum for cranial sacral therapy, I was seeing about four clients a day part-time, a few days a week. And I was still working a few nursing shifts at the hospital the other days of the week. I was putting on talks in the community, trying to figure out this whole marketing thing. Life was pretty full. So as one often does when they own a business, is I signed up for some programs, some trainings. One, honestly, I dare not say how much I spent on it. There was a bit of time, took me a while to pay that one on, off rather. And I'll just call it the big business program. Going to refer to it a little bit today. So in this big business program that I enrolled in, I followed the steps and the outlines provided for me. I followed the formulas, and I showed up for the trainings, and I decided to use their approach when I wanted to hold another wellness talk. So I went through all the steps. I did all the emails, the personal invites, the social media. I put up posters around town, did ads, all as I'd been taught to. I wrote my talk as per the outline I'd been given in this specific big business program. I practiced at home to my cats. And yes, my husband has also sat through some of my talks in advance. I prepared fancy slides. I booked a venue. And on the day of the talk, I was like, all right, here we go. I'm I'm ready. And I went in early, I set up the room, the chairs, I put handouts on everyone's chairs, I had my email list sign up, I had all the bits and pieces, I set up my projector, was ready to go. I gave my wellness talk and had a great time with the actual speaking and sharing part, with meeting people and hearing their stories. And I actually had a pretty darn good turnout. I was surprised. I'm like, it works. Following the system, it works. And also this was pre-COVID when one could simply just fill a room up if they wanted to without having to worry too much about restrictions and all of that. So I was pretty happy to have 
half a dozen people sign up for a complimentary meet and greet session to connect with after the talk. And so I scheduled all those sessions, saw those people over the coming week. By the time I was finished with all of those sessions, which were lovely, though most were actually not the right fit for the work I was expanding into, by the time I finished all the follow-ups from the talk, and remember up to this point, everything has been completely unpaid, which is often part of the process, But by the time I finished all of those steps I'd been taught in this big business program, I was cooked. I was so cooked. I needed some serious recovery time. I'd underestimated how much of an energy output it would be, even though I'd put on many talks, many workshops up until that point. But trying to adopt this new system, well, it didn't really fit with me. And for sure, the system worked in the sense of I had some new clients come into my practice, albeit rather briefly, because again, they weren't actually quite the right fit. But that was part of my own journey, part of my own evolution as a practitioner. And... Yes, I got my name out there more. It was really valuable to me to provide this knowledge, this information that I gave in that free talk. So just from a community service standpoint, that was very fulfilling, very meaningful for me. But I knew that if I stick with this system, this strategy that I've been taught... I'm going to burn myself out. And I have been there before. I had no desire to go back to that. I'd been there when I was nursing and taking way too many post-grad programs. And I decided to do it differently. I decided I would never follow someone's step-by-step super strategic program when it didn't quite feel right for me. Now, I really believe it's helpful to have some structure in your business. I'm not against having systems. They can be very supportive. However, my intuitive check-in when doing this big talk was that this is a lot. And quite honestly, I did want to challenge myself. I wanted to give it a go. I wanted to see how it actually worked. And also not at all against business trainings, programs. I learned a lot in that big business program. And just as a side note, I'm not actually referring to the 5D Business Academy that you may have heard me talk about earlier. I'm a part of that group. I love that group, adore them, highly recommend them. And I also really like the other big business program I'm referring to, which yes, I know I haven't named, It just wasn't right for me. I realize that for the most part, many business programs are not designed for a highly sensitive person. Most business programs are not made with our specific needs and nervous systems in mind. And what I learned was 
I need to walk my own path, my own journey as a highly sensitive who owns a business. And it's likely going to look different from most people's work and the way they build their businesses. And that is okay. That is even a good thing I'm going to float in here. I looked at what was most important in my practice and in my business. And as a side note here, it took me years to realize, wait a minute, I actually own and run a business. Those of us in the wellness space and any type of healing work, they may take a little time to reach that particular conclusion that, wow, yes, I have a practice, but I also have a business. And in order to keep providing this service, providing whatever your unique offering is, it's quite likely you're going to need to make an income. And that's okay. So circling back, I started to say that I looked at what was important in my practice and in my business after giving that talk, after following this particular formula for how to give a talk, all the steps that need to happen before to fill the talk, during the talk, and after to connect with clients. I realized that isn't going to work with my highly sensitive nervous system. I also realized I have a business, I have a practice, And this is now, as I left nursing at this point, this is my main source of income. To give myself permission to earn income. And I combined all of these reflections with what I needed as a highly sensitive person. I needed boundaries around my time, my energy, and my output. I needed time to myself to recharge and reflect, to process the days. I needed time away during my moon time, during my period. Loving my individual client sessions and seeing their growth and transformation, as well as the magic that happens in circles and workshops. When I get a group of us together and we can share and learn and explore, something pretty magical can happen. So these are elements of what I needed as a highly sensitive, what I enjoyed as a highly sensitive and as a business owner. I needed the creative work that was meaningful to me and that felt aligned to me, that really tapped into what my gifts are. And I gotta tell you, I made a zillion custom flower essence formulas for myself as I walk this path, which I still do today. I'm still growing. I'm still evolving. I made these flower essences to help me navigate the patterns, the restrictions, the challenges that came up with the everyday life as a highly sensitive entrepreneur. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not making a zillion dollars a year. I don't have it all to a T. And I'm okay with that. I also feel the most aligned with my work, the most in tune with the clients I support, and the most on fire for what I get to do each day in my business. So this is 
a bit of a reflection, but also a sharing of what starting your business can really look like. There's really no rules. There are no defining qualities of what you have to do as a highly sensitive building a business. Though over today's episode, I'm going to bring in a few layers that have been really helpful for me as well as the highly sensitive entrepreneurs that I support in my practice. And as a side note, this wasn't something I sought out intentionally. I just looked back one day and realized, wow, well over 80% of my practice are those that are highly sensitive and that have their own businesses. Because you know what? Our inner growth, our healing, our self-discovery, our personal development, all of that is intricately linked to our businesses. Self-growth and building a business go hand in hand, my friend. So today I'm going to be sharing some of what I share with my clients that are in this space, that are building a practice or wanting to grow the business they have. They're not all one-on-one practitioners. I've actually got quite a, a wide variety of business owners. But most of the sensitives that I help are figuring this out too for themselves. It's part of what I support them with. How to grow their business in a way that's aligned with their values and their gifts while also creating a life that supports their sensitivities. So if you've ever taken a business program, if you've even grabbed a free training from someone and thought, holy moly, how do I do all the action steps that they suggest? That just doesn't seem feasible for my energy level. If you felt intimidated by some of the structures and strategies that are out there, I invite you to know, first off, that you are not alone in that. And I invite you to reflect on whether these are these strategies, these suggestions that you may have heard about, whether they're fluid with a highly sensitive nature, whether they fit in with your own unique high sensitivity. So let me dive into a few suggestions that you can begin to consider. You can begin to weave into your own journey if you are a highly sensitive building a business. Though just before I do, I realized I really (laughs) dropped into story time there. And I haven't given you our current events coming up. So know that I'm going to dive in in just a minute. We're going to do snapshot events. I'll go into them more at the end. So first off, which is actually quite in tune with today's episode, is a gathering I'm going to be holding on October 20th called Feminine Productivity. It's a different way of doing work, a different way of being with ourselves. And when we follow our menstrual cycles, for those of us that have a cycle, we can create a very different schedule, a different rhythm with our work. So feminine productivity will be on October 20th. Uh, Whether you have a menstrual cycle, a moon time or not, 
you'll probably pick up a few things, though it is definitely going to be a bit more relevant for those that want to live with the phases of their menstrual cycle. I'll also share more on the Menstrual Wise Collective, which is starting in November at that gathering in October. Hopefully I haven't just confused you. <laughs> so if you want to learn more, you can head to combinationhealing.ca forward slash events. Coming up this Friday is the Autumn Equinox Ritual Night. I've got offerings both online and in person, and that is September 24th. Really going to tune in to the energies of this beautiful equinox. I'm recording this the day after the full moon. So we'll be in the waning phase of the moon as well, which is perfect for what we'll be doing here. So same address you can head to for that. Actually, all the events, they're always on my (laughs) events page. I'll put the link in the show notes. Last but not least, I am thrilled to be a part of the Energy Medicine Masterclass with Metaphysical School. This is running October 4th to 16th, fully online. There's six different webinars covering crystals, different types of energy healing, sound healing, plant medicine. I'll be speaking on spiritual growth with flower essences. So as you can probably tell just by listening to my events, That one aspect in my work that really I find very meaningful, very fulfilling is to share and to speak, to bring knowledge and experiences that I've gathered in my life, as well as researching, diving into what's happening in the studies and books, and really bringing that all together into a coherent package so that people can learn in a digestible way. And all of this, all of the speaking I do, having this podcast, speaking in like this past weekend in the Ignite Women's Conference, which was so fun, that really filled my heart up. This takes me to my first point of being an HSP and an entrepreneur. You may not know what you're actually going to end up doing in your business until you just try a few things. You may not know what you're actually going to end up doing. Now, when I started my practice, I was transitioning from being a registered nurse to starting my own business as a registered cranial sacral therapist, specifically with biodynamic cranial sacral therapy. So I thought, My days are going to revolve around going to a clinic, seeing clients one-on-one, going home, and that's it. Yes, I knew there was always going to be more learning for me. I was really interested in a lot of different healing modalities, a lot of different metaphysical concepts, and just exploring spirituality more. So I had a hint at the start, and craniosacral is not exactly... It's not exactly mainstream, and it's also not exactly, um, how do I put this? I'll say it the other way. Those that are very interested in the mind-body connection, and how our spirit influences our sense of feeling day-to-day, influences our mood, influences our, our everyday life, then cranial sacral is a good fit. While 
physiotherapy, chiropractic, all these are wonderful other really helpful modalities, all of which I've gone to and experienced before. They're a bit more well-defined, a bit more straightforward. So to wrap that in a little bit more, to sum that up, when I started my cranial practice, I mainly expected to be doing client work. One-on-one sessions, people would just kind of come find me somehow, and, and that would be it. I did feel like there was probably more of a spiritual lens I was going to bring into it because of my background, because of what I'd experienced. I think it is episode 14 or maybe 12 that I walk through my experience with a really challenging spiritual awakening. It's been called a spiritual emergency. So you can head to that one later if you're curious. But I had a sense, by and large, of what I'd be doing. And fast forward quite a few years now to what I'm doing in my everyday business life. It is completely different. If I would have told myself right at the very start that these days I would have a podcast that I absolutely love, that I hold circles, workshops, that I get to speak in these beautiful events that bring in a number of different people together. I had no idea when I graduated, I had no idea what a flower essence even was. I don't think I'd even heard of Rescue Remedy at that stage. So I have very much done a deep dive into flower essences. They're now pretty much the foundation of my practice. They're an integral part of the work I do with people, creating custom blends for people, depending on what layers are showing up in their, in their life. So I didn't know all of this at the start. I've tried a bunch of different things, dabbled in a bunch of different areas. I started off mainly in the persistent pain world, chronic pain world. It's what is more commonly referred to as. But I knew I was hiding in the science. I really appreciated, going back to that point about chiropractic and physio, I appreciated being able to hold up a study and go, hey, here's the research behind this. While there is some research on craniosacral flower essences, there's a lot less. And one of the roles in my nursing career was actually in clinical trials. So I really appreciated research, though I also saw it from the inside by running the clinical trials, by being the nurse that literally administered these trial medications for people. I saw both sides of the coin there with research. It is extremely valuable, extremely helpful. It's also really hard to capture some of the more subtle inner experience type work that I do especially. So I didn't want the buck to stop there by needing research any longer to rely on. So I expanded out from chronic pain, from persistent pain. And I started to bring in more of a connection with nature, a connection with nervous systems, a connection with self-care tools. And from fairly early on, I've always worked with, with sensitives. That's been a layer that's woven throughout. But I want to turn this back around to you. 
if you have a business or even if you're dreaming about building a business, can you take a moment just to think about what is it I think I should do? And what is it that I truly want to do? Now, if I'd have asked myself those two questions right at the beginning, I probably would have expanded into the work I do now a little bit faster. I was always intrigued by plants. I was always intrigued by the earth. I was particularly intrigued by these subtle experiences that I I had trouble putting into words, but that I knew were, were very real and had a very big impact on me. And this is part of being highly sensitive as we can really notice these more subtle things. Even if that's going out into the woods and feeling like you're receiving a message from a tree. Or just feeling like you go out in the woods and feel relaxed. Maybe not everyone talks to trees. Maybe that's just me. But I invite you, especially if you're at the beginning of your business journey, or if you're feeling disillusioned with it, If you have ever questioned, well, I thought I was meant to be doing this work, but now I'm not so sure. You're not feeling as lit up by it. And the first part is just considering, am I doing what I actually want to be doing? Are there layers of fear that are perhaps getting in the way of stepping into what you really want to explore? If there is one message I have gotten again and again and again, especially over the last like six months, is that if we can infuse some playfulness, if we can, I know it sounds backwards, but if we cannot take it so seriously, then a whole new world can open up really quickly in our businesses. So just to recap, When you're starting your business, you may not know what you're going to end up doing. I started in kind of as linear a way as I could make it by starting with something that I could really point to with research, by doing talks mainly on persistent pain and chronic pain. And when I I absolutely was honored to support people that were struggling with persistent pain because I had been there. I also knew there was something within me that called for working with people that were, yes, perhaps finding their way out of pain, wanting the research, wanting the science, the tools, the practices, but especially those that are on a self-growth journey, that are really looking at themselves and going, I wonder if I'm highly sensitive for a reason. I wonder, how do I bring my sensitivities out into the world in a way that feels really good for me. Those that want to tap into their gifts, because there are a lot of gifts of being highly sensitive. So it's okay at the start if you're like, I don't actually know if I'm going to keep doing this. Even at the beginning, I knew as I was kind of picturing my clinic schedule and thinking, wow, if I know that I'm just coming into work three, four, five days a week, and my schedule is just full with clients, internally, on a body sensation level, something within me contracted. 
And not in a, oh, I'm fearful of success type way. In a, this isn't quite right. So if you look at, uh, let's say, a plate. The plate of my business. And I use my own examples a lot just to honor confidentiality. And because I can give you the inside scoop. So if you look at the plate of my business, if you will, there are a number of different things on the plate. And I didn't know those until I started experimenting, until I tried things out, until I just followed that inner light that kind of was my compass, nudged me into areas that I wasn't super comfortable in, that I wasn't super sure about, but that I just tried out and went, wow, I really love this. This feels like me. So I invite you to give yourself permission to experiment. Give yourself permission to experiment. Try things out to reinvent yourself. And as highly sensitives, we tend to want to know what's going to happen next. We want to have a bit of a lay of the land, so to speak. We like to know what's coming. Sudden shifts and changes can be, well, not for all of us, but can be kind of overwhelming in a lot of ways. So I get that it's nice to have a a mental image of what your work might be like, but I invite you to just leave some space and some, some room to play in there to see what shows up. So I know I brought in a number of different points and layers into that, but the summary of Point number one, we'll call it, is that you're probably not going to not, not going to know exactly what your business looks like a few years down the road after you start it, maybe even a few months down the road, which brings me to point number two. Highly sensitives often do not like to make mistakes. We often have a rather loud inner critic pretty common to have a perfectionist streak. And this is not everybody. This is not a blanket rule. But if you're highly sensitive and you say are intrigued by speaking, you're like, well, I want to, I have a lot to share. I could put on a wellness talk. Go for it. I so encourage you to. However, if you're going into that with a really high bar of exactly how everything's going to roll out, exactly how many people are going to attend, exactly what's going to unfold after that. I invite you to give a little more space around that. We are ever-growing and ever-evolving. So mistakes, are they really a mistake? Are they a chance to learn more? Yes, there is a very uncomfortable sensation with feeling like we've either done something wrong or we should have done something differently. But this is some of the work. This is some of the self-growth work that comes with building a business. I remember earlier when I said that being on a self-growth journey, a journey of personal development, goes hand in hand with running a business. Running a business is going to show you all your stuff going to highlight all those icky, challenging places and all those wonderful, beautiful, light-filled gifts. 
both are incredible opportunities for growth and being able to build a life that we love. So it's okay to make a quote-unquote mistake, even if it feels uncomfortable. Maybe consider getting some support if it's like, oh my gosh, way too uncomfortable. Your perfectionism and procrastination, these can actually be a form of stress response. It can be a way that we deal with the stress of needing it to be perfect. I said that a little bit funny. I'm going to reword it instead of re-recording it. Procrastination is a stress response. First heard that by Mel Robbins, which I really, really enjoyed. And it's something when we really want, say, going with this wellness talk example, when we really want something to go well, or when we have a particular outcome in mind, we want it to be perfect. We may put it aside, put off, find the dishes, and a million other things to do before diving in and creating space for that work, because what if it's not perfect? What if it doesn't live up to our expectations? What if we make a mistake? Now, perfectionism and procrastination, those are definitely multiple other episodes, well and truly, but I just wanted to touch on them there because it's quite common in us. We're very attuned to detail. Highly sensitives can pick up these subtle details. So say you're giving your talk, you have slides and you see a typo or something that just is worded really weird, that can create a pretty strong reaction in us potentially. Or we can learn to navigate that and actually just name it and laugh it off and move on to the next slide. So point number two I'm going to bring in here as a highly sensitive business owner is it's okay to make mistakes. Sure, you've heard before that this is just an opportunity for learning, for growth, for doing things differently. All right, so I'm going to shift into point number three. I don't know if I should call these points, tips. This is very much an episode I'm recording because I felt really called to record one on businesses and being highly sensitive. So I've got my notes. I'm going to refer to them every now and again, but a lot of this is coming out from my own life, my own experience, and my experiences working with clients. One of the number one things I see in working with clients, and one of the things that I start to address first, is turning off at the end of the day, is having an end of the day. (laughs) All right, hands up. You don't actually have to put your hand up. Who of you who are highly sensitive, who have your own business, spend so much of your time thinking about it, writing notes about it, hopping on to do one more quick email? Do you have an end of your day? Do you have a beginning of your day? What is your work-life balance? And I totally get it, especially if you absolutely love what you do and you are 
really in it all day every day, or it even occupies your thoughts all day every day. I have times too, especially right before I start a program. I have a lot on my mind and I'm basically connecting dots, connecting different research articles I've read, books I've read, my own experiences, others' experiences. So I know the thinking and thinking a lot can be something that if we let it can take over our entire life, thinking about our work. So what is your work-life balance? How often do you finish your day, put the computer away, put the phone down, and then just go have a delightful dinner doing something completely different? This one, I will be honest, this took me a long time to learn, (laughs) especially given that I work from home and it's different. It's different working from home versus walking away and leaving a clinic. I have a home studio here. I see the majority of my clients on Zoom, online. So I had to make a very specific way of ending my day. So I encourage you, if you don't have any boundaries towards the beginnings or ends of your day, that you create some. If you'd like some support for that, I am here for you. I have done this a lot in many different ways. And I will briefly just like put my fingertip on, just touch on social media and having an online business as a highly sensitive. Already we, we know social media can be very addictive. You can be on your phone a lot. But for HSPs, we need gaps, breaks, space. We need to have time to process what we've seen, what we've heard. If we're doing one-on-one sessions, we need time to process what just happened. So hopping on and off your phone all day long, and you, you may well already know this about yourself, so I invite you a lot of space. There is zero judgment here. That if you're feeling every spare moment... You're waiting for a page to load and you hop on to check Instagram. If you're waiting for your tea water to boil and you're just checking your numbers or replying to comments, that is a really taxing effect on your nervous system. And it can feel like you're just spinning your wheels, not actually getting anywhere. Creating islands of productivity in your day, space where you're like, I am sitting down and doing the thing. Phone off, phone in a different room, phone in your car, whatever you need to do. This is also an area I have explored a lot in my own life and now bring in, well, this is what the Healing Habits course was really, really about. This is something I weave in a lot into the work I do with clients as well, because so many of us have online businesses. How do we make this work-life balance work with social media, with phones? So lots more I could go into on that, but wanted to just, yeah, just gently touch that with the fingertip and just name it because I know it can bring up a lot. Number four. I've alluded to it already. 
you might overthink about your business a lot as a highly sensitive person. Maybe I should be calling this episode the common pitfalls of highly sensitive entrepreneurs, and I don't mean it to sound so negative. I'm wanting to bring in awareness, bring in just a an insider's experience of what owning a business can be like, knowing there's way more to it than I'll cover in this roughly hour episode. But overthinking. I alluded to it before when I asked you how many of you think about your work before or after hours. And that is perfectly natural, perfectly normal. But if 24-7, seven days a week, work is always on your mind, stressing and feeling an internal constriction around money, charging, is there enough? Constantly thinking about new ideas, but not sure how to actually put them into practice, or a lot of what can happen as a highly sensitive entrepreneur is we can start to really compare ourselves. This goes for any entrepreneur. We can really compare ourselves to what someone else is doing. And that can be actually quite painful. It can be quite hard to look at someone who is in a similar space as us and feel like they're doing such a better job and continuing to think about our work and how can we make our work, quote unquote, better. So as we overthink, our batteries run down. As we overthink, we may run into anxiety, stress, depression. As we overthink, we can lose the spark, the joy, the reason that we started our businesses in the first place. All hope is well and truly not lost, though. This is something I hear a lot from people as well, that they're just thinking about their business all the time. And I think there's a season for this. As I mentioned earlier, right before I start either a new program or I'm running it for a subsequent time, like right now with the Menstrual Wise Collective, it's on my mind a lot. I have multiple notebooks around the house where I'm jotting down ideas, connections, thoughts, things I want to research more. Honestly, I probably already have way too much for a six-month program, so I'm going to have to come back to that and make sure I have a reasonable amount, a good amount, a digestible amount. But when we find things that really light us up, like for myself, I've been reading about the menstrual cycle, about periods for so long. I have so many books on them. And then I just went to the library yesterday in a new town, discovered a whole new section, <laughs> a whole new section of books that they had. And so now my, uh, my mantle, my bookshelf is full. My mantle is full of new books to read. But with overthinking, and again, I'll use myself as an example, with all these new wonderful books to read, there are time, a time and place for me to read them. I actually do now build research time into my day because I used to just kind of do it after hours. So I was kind of always thinking about work. Again, that can be really draining. Can It can change how we feel about our work. And I invite you, if this is something you struggle with, 
to bring in some of these work-life balance boundaries. Now, this is something I've worked with people a lot of, and we've gotten really creative with how to create things that help take their mind off it in a, in a really healthy way, but in a way that really fits with them. So for my own life, I've got certain nights of the week where I generally I go climbing. And when I'm climbing, I don't actually think much about work. I'm pretty focused on what I'm doing so I don't fall off the wall, which is good. I have a pretty good routine that I'm back into now playing piano in the evening. So right before bed, I'm playing piano and thinking about notes. I'm very much doing the self-taught thing via YouTube and learning that way. So I'm, I'm thinking about what's happening there as I go to bed. So sometimes it can be as simple as creating other activities that are very different from what you actually do in your work to fill up your mind and give your mind something else to chew on for a while. It gives your brain a different track to follow. So that is... Point number four is that a common pitfall of a highly sensitive is to really overthink about their business a lot. And I talk about the two sides of the coin on this podcast a lot. One side of the coin is is the challenge. We're overthinking. The positive side of the coin, the other end of it, is that we can make these brilliant connections between things that maybe no one else has seen. Maybe no one else has connected the dots. All in balance, my friends. Also, side note on balance, it's forever shifting. It's not static. Okay. I'm going to bring in one more. I have about 10 on my list, and I'm just looking at the time. So there's probably going to be another episode on this down the track. But I'm going to bring another one in here just to round us out for the day. And the fifth point that I'm going to bring in is that if you're highly sensitive, if you own a business, how well do you name your achievements? How well do you name the trainings, the hours, the experiences that you have? And how does that play into your confidence? Oftentimes, Highly sensitives feel very conscientious. They're very aware of their actions on other people. And sometimes being really conscientious leads to being really humble. Humbleness is wonderful. Humbleness is a great quality. But if you are skilled at what you do, if you are very experienced, well-trained, and you don't actually mention that, it may be a little bit more challenging to be building your business. It does help to be able to name, hey, I have been through this and come out the other side. I have gone through this training with these incredible people and now have learned A, B, and C. So one thing I see a lot in highly sensitives is they don't claim their achievements. I'm pretty guilty of it myself, and I'm finally bringing this in now. 
who have been listening to this podcast for a while, I'll have a confession to make that I totally do this too, that yeah, if you've been listening to the podcast, that would have been back in April, likely. We are now September, like deep September. I think it was an April episode where I said, hey, I've been working on this really big thing. It's taken a lot of my headspace. Um, more on it soon. And it's been crickets ever since. So what I was actually doing, I was finishing a very high level practitioner certification program for flower essences with some of the world leaders in flower essence therapy. I was finishing all of my writing, which when I went and submitted everything was the equivalent of a book. When I finished my final interview and assessment of all my materials and had glowing feedback, I didn't share this with you guys at all. Now, I've had a number of different flower essence trainings, and this is one I'd looked at and gone, oh, that's that's a pretty big project. I don't know if, if I've got um, maybe the time, the energy to put into that. I don't know how much I'll learn. Oh, wow, did I have no idea how much I how much I learn. I laugh at past Lisa. So this is a certification that very few people in the world have. I go, I hopped on their practitioner directory after I 100% finished, I was 100%, you know, stamp for sending your certificate, you packed past our practitioner training program. After that, I hopped on the practitioner directory. And I saw that within Canada, I was only the fourth person to be listed as a practitioner who's completed this program. In the States, where this training originates from, there are only 30 people listed on their practitioner directory as having successfully completed this program. I knew it was rigorous. I knew it was in-depth. I knew not a lot of people do it because of the amount of work involved. It's case study work. I worked with one client for close to 10 months. Usually you work with them for about three in this instance. There was archetypal energetic work. There was plant study work. Hours and hours and hours of work and writing went into this. And I didn't mention it at all. <laughs> I still laugh at myself for this. This is literally the first time I'm actually announcing on a wider level that I'm officially completed and finished the flower essence certification program for practitioners through a wonderful company called Flower Essence Services. As I mentioned, Patricia and Richard, they are absolutely world leaders in this and they have the bar set pretty high. So for me not to share it at all, I was like, wow, what's in that? So I had to do some exploring. I had to do some, some working out. And one of the voices said, well, you know, you've worked with flower essences for years. Won't it sound weird to say that, hey, you're, you're just doing this training now? Even though I know this was simply additional training. I've already taken a professional course 
I've already explored flower essences from well, my first learning experience was probably my favorite way I could have learned ever is from a wonderful elder who has worked with him for years and taught me how to create them, how to work with clients with them. She's an incredible woman. So it's not that I didn't feel I was well-trained before, but I had this little belief show up that, oh, it might be a bit weird to mention that you've gotten this certification only now. But after looking at how many people, or rather how few, are actually listed on the practitioner directory, it really sunk in that this was actually a pretty big deal. This was weeks and weeks of writing and going through notes and collating. <laughs> you might have heard my cat meow just then. I'll, I'll leave it in because it's pretty sweet. She's quite cute. So I obviously have not fully navigated this one that we don't claim our achievements enough as highly sensitives. Though here I am now saying some of the layers, some of the training, some of the work that I've done. And sure, maybe there's more people that aren't listed on the directory that have have graduated from this. Maybe there's a couple others that didn't have that extra step. But by and large, not a lot of people have done this amount of work with flower essences. And I really felt honestly proud to have finished this practitioner training successfully to have passed. And I'm going to turn this back around for you. What parts of your life, what areas of your training, what mentorship have you had that's influenced the skillfulness of your work that maybe you've never mentioned before? Have you told your people, your community, your audience what your background is? Now, I also want to, on the flip side, say we don't need to go through hoops of acquiring another certification, another diploma, another degree just to do the work we want to do. In some cases, yes, you want to be a physician. Medical school is going to be your way to go. However, this is something I worked on actually with my very first business coach, is that you don't always need another certification to do the work that you want to do. Stay in your scope, be wise. However, you may know more than you think you do. What inner gremlins are telling you that you don't? And how can you work with those? How can you see them compassionately, bring them in? so that you feel comfortable and maybe even excited to share about your accomplishments, your work that you've done. Another area that this might show up is sharing your testimonials. Do you have glowing feedback from your clients? Or if you're not in a service-based industry, do you have wonderful reviews on your products? Whatever it is that you do for work, and do you actually share those? Do you put them out to your newsletter, to your social media, wherever, wherever you live in the, in the business space? And I get it. As highly sensitives, we often, we don't want to toot our own horn. 
don't want to be seen as bragging, as prideful. We're very conscientious. Often think about or worry about what other people think of us. Or what will they think if I fill in the blank for your own business? This is what I mean by self-growth and building a business going hand in hand. So I'm going to do a recap of the five points that I brought in today. I know there were more than five. They were our our bench posts, our, our markers. The first is that you may well not know what you'll end up doing at the beginning. You may have a picture of it. You may have an expectation. And you may underneath that have an intuitive sense or even have a dream of what your work could look like. Follow that. If that's on your heart, that is a very strong indicator that you may be very, very successful, fulfilled, aligned with your work by following those dreams. The second point was, it's okay to make mistakes. This is most definitely how we learn. We're going to grow a lot. And probably actually move along pretty quickly if we're able to process what the mistake was, both on an internal emotional level and on an outer logistical level. If you find yourself getting stuck with that, say, having some issues with your shipping and a customer was unhappy because their order was delayed, whatever, whatever it feels like, if it felt like a mistake to you, how do you navigate the internal sensations and emotions? Do you need some support, some help with that? Where can you find it? The third element that we talked about is work-life balance. How do you disconnect? Do you disconnect? Are you on 24-7, seven days a week? As a highly sensitive processing time, recharging time, alone time, it's pretty important for us, for our nervous systems, and just for our spirit. Point number four was overthinking. Two sides of that coin. I'll say the the helpful side of, I'm going to say thinking a lot instead of overthinking, is that you can use the gifts of being a highly sensitive person where you can connect dots, you see connections that others probably are going to miss. The other side of overthinking is when it becomes a problem, when it, say, holds you back from doing what you want to do, when it leads to anxiety, greater stress, or depression. How can you begin to shift this? What ways can you bring in other activities in your life that really bring your mind to a, a different place, whether that's being out in nature, whether that's picking up a new hobby, starting a new class that has nothing to do with your work. Variety can be very helpful. It can give your brain something else to think about, though there's a lot more in that. Number five is claiming and sharing your achievements. 
sharing what you have done, what makes you a skilled practitioner, what makes you a wonderful teacher, what makes you a whatever you are. So I hope these five points make you feel a little bit better and maybe not so alone on your journey as a highly sensitive entrepreneur. Hopefully this can help you transform some of these patterns. And if you'd like some support with this, I invite you to connect with someone you resonate with for support. Now there are, trust me, quite a few, many, many people working in the business world. So it's really important to find that fit, what feels like a match in energy and the way that person holds a container for you, whatever that looks like. One of the ways I support people with this is through the Flowering Soul program. Finding out where you're at, finding your gifts, expanding your toolbox to navigate the challenges, and helping you tap into your intuition and inner guidance as the compass to grow your business in your own way. And of course, I've mentioned flower essences a few times today and often in the podcast. They're a really big part of my work and my life. It's where the flowering comes from in Flowering Soul. We meet twice a month for deep dive sessions and I send you a custom flower essence every single month. As you grow and shift and change, the challenges that you'll meet are going to change as well. So Flowering Soul is a four-month container for those that are highly sensitive and are creating a spacious, intentional, and intuitively led life that supports their sensitivities. Now, it's not just for those that have a business, though it is definitely an area that I work in a lot. So if you have a business and want some support, I'm very much here for you. I start with a half hour tea chat session, just a simple meet and greet, get to know where you're at, what are you struggling with, if it's even a good fit. So know that I generally take between one and three people each month into the Flowering Soul program, depending on my, my plate, how much I have on my plate. I've had one start earlier in the month, that's wonderful, I'm so excited for their journey. And there's space for you. So I'm currently accepting clients into this program. And for those that have gotten really what they needed just out of listening today, then I'm really glad that you hopefully, anyway, learned something new and hopefully had some fun along the way doing it. So with that, I'm going to wrap up today's episode I'd love to hear what you thought. Did you find it helpful? Is there something else you have a question on? Is there something you'd like an episode done on? Can't guarantee I will do one on every single email that comes in. A little bit out of um, logistics. Though, as you probably heard in the last episode, in episode 19, that was a direct result of a listener request. So, love to hear from you. My email is lisa 
at combinationhealing.ca. You can also, of course, leave a review. You can rate and follow the podcast. You can share it with a friend. Maybe you don't have a business, though you know a friend that is really trying to navigate this intersection of being a sensitive, intuitive soul while building a business and finding the way that works for them. Lastly, you can always head to combinationhealing.ca forward slash events for all the upcoming events. Though as a brief recap, this Friday, September 24th, is the Autumn Equinox Ritual Night. Harnessing the energies of this beautiful time of year. September is one of my favorite months. And this will be both online and in person. If you're here in Rosalind... Hopefully the skies are clear. We'll be sitting outside in my backyard with the fire. Also speaking in the Energy Medicine Masterclass with Metaphysical School, October 4th to 16th online. And I'll be speaking on spiritual growth with flower essences, though there is over nine hours of webinars to come on different types of energy healing, plant medicine, a whole wide range of all things energy medicine. And feminine productivity will be on October 20th. This is a complimentary workshop. There's no cost for it. I was struggling to call it a workshop, a gathering, an event. So it's just feminine productivity today. <laughs> and this is for those that want to tune into a cyclical way of building their business, of doing their work, especially aligned with their menstrual cycle. I'll also be sharing more about the Menstrual Wise Collective in that event, which the waitlist is now open for. And again, you, anything I've mentioned today is on my website, from the Flowering Soul Program to the events. I hope you have an absolutely wonderful autumn equinox for those in the Northern Hemisphere as we transition into fall. Or enjoy the spring equinox in the Southern Hemisphere. Wherever you're listening from, enjoy the balance of this time. All right, everyone, have a beautiful day. And until next time, bye for now.